Good morning. Happy New Year. How's everyone doing on this morning? They're good. I'm Pastor Joseph, one of the pastors here on staff. I'm super excited to be here with you all on this morning. Excited to start a new sermon series this year called Imago Day. Everybody say Imago Day. Anyone know what that is? Image of God, right? Image of God. So we ended the year last week in Revelation. We're starting in Genesis. So what a way to kick off the new year, to start at the beginning, right, in understanding uh, our image and how God sees us. Amen? All right, so one of the things in understanding Imago Day or the image of God, and as we walk through this series, this is the first of a few sermons that we, you will hear for the next few weeks. The first thing just that I want you to get is understanding that we are valued by God. Say, I am valued. If it's your first time preaching or being here with me preaching, it's like a conversation, so that means you have to talk back to me. So I'm going to look at you. I want you to answer me, Christopher. You know, I just met some new people today, so I like to talk. I want you to talk back just to let me know that you're listening, all right? So I'm just break the ice now. Don't feel awkward. Everybody does it, okay? All right, so understanding what it means to be in the image of God means it is our job to represent God or represent God to this world, all right? And so that's where we're going in this sermon uh, on this morning. If you have any questions, feel free. If you, if you pull out your phone and I see you on your phone, I'm assuming you're either reading your Bible from your phone or you're texting this number to ask a question, right? That's just something I'm assuming. All right, you're not checking any scores or anything like that. But we answer the questions that you have uh, during the week, during our, our weekly podcast, Pastor Plex Podcast. And so we love answering your questions. So send them in. We want them all. If, you, if I say something that's totally jacked up, send in a question. You know, I'll let Chris answer it. You know, that's how it works. Uh, but we're excited for you to be here on this morning. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. If you're online watching, welcome. You're definitely more gifts than you are guests, and so we love that you're here. One of the things I just wanted to share on this morning, it being a new year, is how I met my wife. No one really, you know, we've been together for almost two decades now. I know I don't look that old, but we've been together for almost 20 years. Uh, we met in 2003. But before I go to that, I have to tell you, so... I, I'm from Austin area. Grew up on the east side of Austin, if you're familiar. Not the best neighborhoods that I grew up in. One of the things we do, this is just to help educate you on how we used to do in the hood, right? And so in order to, for people to know where you're from, you tell them your zip code. But it wasn't like, I'm from 787. Like, you don't say the first three digits. You just say the last two. You know, I'm from the 5-2, right? I'm from 5-2 or 2-3, whatever your digits were. I guess if you're over here, it's 2-8. But if you said 2-8, people look at you and start laughing because that ain't the hood, right? <laughs> and so you knew by the digits where someone was from, what groups of people affiliated, what colors to wear or not wear, in this certain neighborhood, right? Just from the digits that you have. In my neighborhood, like if you wore blue, you was good. If you wore any other, other colors, you weren't so good. So you had to watch what you wear, right? And so my mother, she wanted to get me out of her house, not necessarily out of the hood. She just wanted me out. But, and so she sent me off to school. I go off to Baylor University, realized that it's expensive, and I joined the Army. Loved the Army. I was like, man, I'm going to be a lifer. I can do this forever. I had drill sergeants telling me in my ear, you're a good soldier, high speed, low drag, just, that's military talk, right? They're like, you can do this forever. I was like, Shh, I can do this forever. All right, they had me taking tests. They say, you should be an officer. I should be an officer. Yes, tell me what to do. And they, they're telling me all these different things I should do. And I was loving it. I value what they said. They saw something in me. It's what I thought. And I said, I can do this for the rest of my life. I graduated my AIT, my schooling, my tech school. This is like 12 months 
of being in the military, just giving them my life so far. And about three days after I graduated, I come home, and my grandmother asked me to teach vacation Bible school at church. And I said, sure. And so I'm teaching vacation Bible school at her church, which I've visited most of my life. My, that's her church she's always gone to. And so I said, I don't mind going over there. So I knew a lot of the people there. And so I'm teaching the teenagers, and here I am, a teenager, well, coming out of teenage. I'm 19 years old, just graduated my basic AIT on my little break. And uh, this girl walks into the office to take attendance. I was like, mm, who is that, right? I was like, she kind of cute. I ain't never seen her at grandma church before, right? And so... I find out who she is, and so the week goes by, I'm teaching these kids, and that Friday or Saturday, whenever we have like our end-of-the-week party, we're over in the swimming pool, and I'm throwing her sisters and throwing all the little kids that I've been teaching all week that I got to know, and she said, hey, stop throwing my sisters around in the swimming pool. I'm like, okay, and I picked her up, and I jumped her across the swimming pool, like, because that's how I show my love. I wanted to show her. I was at 19 years old. Just throw the girl you like across the swimming pool. That's what you do, <laughs> um, and so from there, I was too scared to ask her for a phone number. So I sent my youngest brother, who probably was 11 maybe at the time, I said, hey, go ask her for a number until I want it. I was scared. I didn't want to be rejected. And he does. He get a phone number. And from then on, like, this is J- May or J- June 2003. From then on for, like, that whole summer, all we're doing is talking on the phone four or five hours a night. We had to talk late. Some of you won't know this, but, you know, that's, this is when night and weekends were free. You couldn't just talk all through the day. Some of y'all don't know about this, but night and weekends were free. So after 9 o'clock, we would talk all night to 6 o'clock in the morning. I felt like falling asleep on the phone, just, you know, all the cute stuff that you do when you first start dating. Some of us do. I don't know if y'all still do that. I've been out of the game for 20 years. But, uh, and I, I valued that relationship with my wife so much so. I said, I don't want to go back to the Army. Like, that whole 20 years, I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman right here. Like, I didn't want to do the Army. I didn't want to ever be away. I, was, I went back to school at Baylor, and I would come home three or four times a week, about an hour and a half drive, as a, a sophomore in college with no money. I didn't care. I figured it out. I got gas money. I did what I needed to do just to see her because I valued the relationship so much. I'd miss classes, 8 o'clock classes, because I would sleep, because I stayed up talking to her all night, just different things like that. Like all the other things I thought I valued began to shift. It didn't matter what the drill sergeants told me or my sergeants. Or it didn't matter what the people told me I could be, uh, because I, I saw this relationship with my wife that at the time she was my girlfriend, and I was like, I want more of this. This is what I want. This is what I value. And one of the things I, I found out is that we lack an understanding, because we do this too with our relationship with God. We lack an understanding with our relationship with God. Uh, one, because we define our own value. Right? I begin to define what was important in my life. My grades begin to fall because of this relationship with Sierra. You know, my relationship with others begin to fail. I'm not saying that a lot of that tends to happen naturally, but when we talk about our relationship with God, that relationship should never shift because of what we're doing in our life. Right, and so my understanding of who God is and how much he values me begin to, can begin to shift when I begin to try to define who I am as a person. When I begin to define, try to define who I believe or what I believe I was created for. The second thing is we allow others or the world to define our value. Right, for me, it could be me scrolling through social media, just that infinity scroll, just seeing, oh, what's going on? And that begins to where I fixate on so much so, I think that's the, that's, that becomes more reality. That becomes the standard of living. 
that becomes what I do, how I do it. Or maybe it's family, or maybe it is a relationship, or maybe it's that, that nine-to-five job that I'm working on. I say, man, I got to hit these numbers. They, I, I, this, this is important. This is, this is who I am. This is me as a person. I have to do this. I have to reach these quotas, this goal, and, and whatever's going on. I have to do this. This is what makes me who I am. And then when we lose those things, we tend to also lose ourselves because we allowed ourselves to begin to feed off of the very essence of what that thing, whatever it is, was. And it's not God. And lastly, we lack a full understanding of our value by God because we do not value God's love. You cannot value what you do not know. You cannot value what you do not know. I was doing a little meet and greet time just right now. I was talking to my new friend, Ms. Jasmine, and, we, and, and in the middle of our conversation of us telling our New Year's, this New Year's resolution, she says, hold on, real quick. She reaches over, she goes, she grabs her phone, she says, this is, this is expensive. Let me get this real quick. I can't just leave it in the, the seat, right? The reason she did it because of the value. She understood the value. It doesn't matter where you are. When you understand the value of something, you keep it close. If it's expensive, if, it, if, it, if you don't care, then you just kind of leave it to the side. Right? So when you, whatever you value, I value my wife, I keep her close. I value my kids, I keep them close. I value my job, I make sure I do it. I value people. Whatever that thing may be, when you value something, you spend time with it. And the reason we can't understand our relationship and how much God values us is maybe because we're not spending time with him. And so that's where we're going. We're talking about the image of God on this morning, Imago Day, the series, How Am I Valued? How do I see myself being valued? Who defines my value? What defines my value? These are all questions we're kind of going to talk and kind of get to. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all all all right? All right, bow your heads with me for a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you on this morning. God, we thank you for the code. God, it shows us and reveals to us that we can just feel what's around us. God, we thank you for the beauty of the sun uh, and the warmth it brings, God. We thank you for the beauty of the sun, the life changer we have that Jesus Christ brings into us, God. I pray right now that as we dive into the text, God, uh, that you reveal um, what we were created for in our image, God, that you reveal uh, what you designed us for, God. And I pray right now, God, that someone who may be wrestling with identity issues, God, may be wrestling with feeling undervalued, God, by the world or people, God, that they find value in resting you. God, so I pray that we allow our ears to hear what you have said. God, hide me behind your cross. God, use me as just a vessel, a mouthpiece to speak your word, your truth, God. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to jump down to verse 26. If you do not have a Bible, there's Bibles and you want one, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you. You can grab one of those and it is your gift. From us, you can take it with you. But Genesis 1, uh, verse 26, at this point, we're at day six. You know, we got the heavens and the earth have been created, the waters and trees and plants, animals and fish, all these things have been created. And God gets to the pinnacle of creation, us. Everyone say, I'm on purpose. Say it. Say it again, I'm on purpose. All I'm saying is God didn't make, or you are not an accident. You're not an accident. God literally broke the mold when he created you. And that's one of the things we're really going to jump into in understanding who God is and what he's called us to as his creations. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Before we go on, 
understanding just the culture and other times, I, I brought up how I grew up on the east side. And one of the things you did to let people know then, like you would have people on certain corners and certain blocks to let them know whose block this was, right? You'd have a representative, so to speak. In like manner here, when we talk about images and the likeness of God, what kings would do at the time and leaders would do, they would say, hey, I can't be everywhere all the time. So create some type of fixture, some type of image of me so that people know when they come in this area, this land or whatever, this is me. This is mine. And so there would be images around the country to let you know, hey, this is king so-and-so's land. Right. This lets you know whose it was, almost like marking your territory kind of thing. Like this is my territory. And so when we think about uh, being images and God creating us, he's saying, I created you to be my image. To be in my likeness, that that you were created for purpose on purpose in a sense of you are the living images that I want. You don't need to create anything else. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to worship something else. He said, I did this. You worship me. And you are my images. It says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. The cool thing about this, and oftentimes we kind of miss this, is God called you to be, have dominion over all this that he created. And we can forget that we were created in his image. And we can forget that he gave us dominion over these things. This is why we're valued. This is why we're set apart. This is why we're different from all the other creations. He called us to rule over them. This is what God created us for, to be his images and his likeness and said, hey, I created you. Yes, because when, when you think about an image, for me personally, when I think about an image, I think about a mirror, standing in front of a mirror. And I think about how whatever's in front of the image, that's what, or whatever's in front of the mirror, that's what will be reflected out of it. And I also think about scary movies and how, when you hear that scary music happening and you look in the mirror, there's always something that she's going to smile back at you, right? All evil and stuff, right? But the, 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 the mirror is only influenced by the image. And see, what can happen is, or, or what's outside of it, what's reflecting to it. And so if we're called as believers, if we're called as a creation of God to, to, to reflect who God is to this world, if that's what we're called to, then we are the ones that pervert what everyone else sees. Well, the church isn't this, or the Christians are this way. We're the ones that reflect God's image. We mess it up. We've messed it up. That's what we see in the fallen man. We, we messed it up. We diluted, we perverted God's natural or, or, or initial design of creation. We're supposed to be rulers. We're supposed to make his name known. And instead of representing God, we wanted to represent ourselves. Instead of representing God to this world, I wanted to represent Joseph Aiken and all his swagger, right? I wanted to make it about me and how good I look and how good I act and what I can do. I wanted to show the world in my own strength how good I can be. And God said, that's not what I created you for. He said, you missed it because you were trying to do it on your own. And what I found is when, you, when you're reading through this, just the first chapter of Genesis and how beautiful all oh, God made all these things and how he put stuff in certain places for specific reasons. The plants are in the ground. If I take and uproot a plant from the ground, the plant will die. The fish in the water. If I take a fish out of its habitat, out of the water, it will 
We were created in God's image. If you take the creation out of the creator, what you, you, his creation out, if you remove yourself from God, you will die. And I'm talking about eternal life or eternal death. I'm talking about heaven and hell right now. When you remove yourself from the creator, you will die. And that's what we're getting to when we're talking about being in the image of God and what he's called us to and what he's called us to do. And this is why it's so important for us today when we're trying to wrap ourselves around why am I valued and who values me and how am I valued and why should I even feel like I'm valued? Because God created you in his image. That's why you're valued. That's why he loved you so much. And that's why he made sure that he did something different with you. That's why you don't look like someone else. That's why you don't act like someone. He was intentional about his creation and that's you. Look, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is, and we'll probably get into this more during the weeks, but I wanted to squash something real quick. Male and females were created equal. Distinct in role, they was equal. They complement each other so much so as the Godhead compliments and has relationship. So it's not about, oh, she's more, he's more, he's less. God created them equal, yet distinct. He knew what he was doing. And so understanding that I am valued because God made me in his image. That's where my value comes from. That's why and, and how I can be who I am because of who God is. A couple of years ago, we used to, my family, my, some of my first cousins, we used to do this uh, game night. We used to do almost once a month. We have a game night, somebody's house, different house every time. Uh, the term was my younger cousin, Jessica. I don't know if she's watching, but I'm about to clown her real quick uh, if she's watching online. Uh, so she invited us over and she said, hey, they, you're not supposed to park without a sticker in the parking lot, but they don't ever tow. I'm like, you sure? Like, yeah, they don't ever tow. I just got my truck and all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, all right, let's go have game night. We always have game night. So I parked my truck right in the corner. I'm like, ah, oh, they ain't not going to see me. You know, they're not going to see anything, even if they do come. I'm looking every, kind of after every hand or every domino being played or whatever game we're playing. I'm looking out there. All right, I'm good. I'm good. And I finished the hand. I looked, not even five minutes. Y'all, my truck was gone. And I was hurt. Yeah. Right? I, was, I was mad. I was mad at my cousin. I was just mad at everybody. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. I said, we got to figure out what's going on. So I go outside just to double check because maybe I just parked somewhere else. And I'm looking. Truck's not, I said, they, man, I said, these jokers fast. I didn't see no lights, nothing. <laughs> right? And so I'm eventually calling, and she's, she's doing all her things. But the reality of it was is that I was illegally parked, and I deserved to, to be told. Right? For some of us, when we talk about being in the image of God, a lot of us are illegally parked in the wrong relationships. We're illegally parked on the wrong jobs, on the wrong assignments, doing the wrong things. We're illegally parked, meaning that we're wondering why you feel the way you feel. That's because you're not plugged into uh, your creator. You've removed yourself. You've distanced yourself. And we got to get back to understanding our role in what God had called us to as far as creating us. Again, remember, you were made or created for purpose, in purpose. And so when you're walking outside of what you were created for, you're, you're, one, you're dying. But two, you're going against what God created you for. If you was to look, and I didn't put it in here because I didn't want to spend too long on it, but in your quiet time, 
I want you to look at Exodus 20. And when you're thinking about this scripture, Exodus 20 says, God says, hey, I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt from slavery and all these different things. He said, you won't worship any gods before me. All right, check. The next thing he tells them, he says, don't carve any images or anything in the likeness of me or the heavens or things on earth. He said, don't do none of that. And I was asking God, I said, okay, God, why would you tell them not to do that? First off, you cannot capture the creator with what he created. So there's no tree that can capture what God is because God created everything in that sense. So you can't carve God out of what he created. That was the first part of it that, that he was giving me. He said, secondly, he said, when I created you, I already made my image. You are my living image, literally. He said, so you don't need any images to worship and do all that. He said, this is what I called you for. So I don't need you out there creating all these different things and monuments and, and pieces of, of wood and putting it out there to mark your territory. He said, you are what I created. You are the living image. You're what should be going out to the world and talking about me, telling the world who I am, making his, God's ruled name, making him known to the earth and all that I've done for you. Now watch this. So we're going to go to Psalms. So we're talking about the image of God. And so this is a little topical. So this isn't normal. We usually say the same, the same chapter, but we're going to hop around just a little bit when we go to Psalms 139. All right. We're going to start at the 13th verse. It says, for you were formed or for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. It's a cool thing about this when you think about it. It's one, God knew you before your mother knew she was even pregnant. But this also shows the value of life. How, how much God values who you are. That before everything, he said, I, I was in the mix. I was putting you together. The brown eyes, the blue eyes, the, the, the dark hair, the light hair, whatever. He said, I did that intentional and on purpose. He also found you when you was literally in your most vulnerable and darkest place. In your mother's room. He was there making sure you was okay. And I even like the principle of that even outside of the room in your darkest place, when you're hurting, when you're going through, when you don't feel like you have anyone around you or next to you that you can trust, that you can talk to, when you're feeling undervalued, when you're feeling no one loves you, God says, I got you. I've always had you. I've always been there. I've never left you. And look what else he says. He says, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I had to stop here just for a moment to say that you, God was, you're unique and everything about you is distinct for a reason. And what can happen is, I, so a couple years ago, I got a dog, right? We've, we've had one dog for about 17 years now. She's old. And I was like, eh, you know, she's getting kind of close, so I need something else. My dog. So I bought this. I didn't buy it. Somebody just offered and said, hey, I'm giving away a free dog. I named him, we named him Nuke, like Nucleus want to be in the center of attention, or Nuclear, because he's like, oh, big crazy dog, right? He's about 100 pounds now. His dad was about 75 pounds, so I didn't think he was going to be this big, but he's a beautiful dog. He got this cut on his ear, right? And it wouldn't heal because of his allergies, and he's always shaking his head. And so I said, man, what I didn't do was say, man, let me take this dog to Apple so they can work on him and get him fixed, right? You're not going to take him to Apple. You're not going to take him to a Ford dealership. You take him to where? A veterinarian. Why? Because he's equipped and created and designed to take care of the dog. What happens is we think we were the ones who fearfully and wonderfully made ourselves 
or the world did it or the school did it or something else, the books that we read, the job that we work on. And so instead of praising God for what he did, the creator, we praise ourselves. We praise everything else that I got here on my own strength because of me. Not acknowledging the power of who God is and what he's done, the breath of life that is breathing in you is because of God. The, act, the, the, the fact that you can feel the cold air across your ears and your cheeks and your tingling and different things, that's God. And so we can miss it at times and we, forget, we can forget to praise the God who fearfully, uniquely, and distinctly made us since our mother's womb. We can forget what he's brought us through. We can forget that we were in his image and his likeness and that he values us so much so that he made each and every one of us different. And we can lose sight of that because we're going through the mundaneness of life and work and parenting and marriage and all the different aspects and variables of life that naturally take us away from who God is and what he's designed and created us for. He says, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden. Like I said, God always, he's always known you. My, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I told y'all earlier that my wife and I, we've been together for a long time. And we just had our, our, our latest, our third addition to the family, Mr. Alexander. And he was in an accident. He was on purpose. And we understand that. And one of the things you have to deal with, or we've had, because this is not everyone's testimony. One of the things we have to deal with is the sleep deprived, right? Babies do that. They bring that sometimes. It's not everyone, especially when you got two other ones that you got to be awake for. So you can't sleep when the baby's sleeping and all those different things. And what, what can naturally happen, and we, we've seen it, especially in the first couple of months, is that we weren't being intentional about our time with each other because we, 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 had, we had things to do, places to go. And so my time with my wife was lessened. Date night, ah, we, we'll come back to it. And the value of my wife began to decrease because of the time or the lack of time we were spending together. I was like, well, she got to do that. That's her job. She got to wake up. That's her job. And, and, and it's, it's weird. I found myself, and this is just a confession moment because this is what you're going to get. I'm not perfect. If you are, you know, hats off to you. But with my son, the first son, Joseph, my namesake, J4, I was getting Every time he cried, I jumped up. Oh, I got to Don't worry about it. By the time baby number three came, you got it. All right. Go back to sleep. Right, it changed, it shifted just a little bit. The value changed, and, and it wasn't, not to say it wasn't until this, but God began to reveal, especially at those first couple of months, that, man, I'm not, I'm not who I was before. The value of my wife, her sleep, her time, and being more sensitive to her, and that comes with time and recognizing different things. I'm saying that here, understanding what God did before time, because look, look how he, he puts it. He says, your eyes saw me, my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He's saying right here that before creation was created, I was thinking about you. Think about that. Before time itself, before he made the stars, the heavens, and the earth, he thought about me. He was intentional about me. He wanted me. I wasn't an accident. And I know for some of us, 
your mom told you you was an accident, your dad might have told you, or even treated you, you felt like, the, you felt like those things. And God said you wasn't an accident. I don't care if you're black, you're white, Hispanic, I don't care what you are. You're not an accident. I don't care the circumstances behind your birth. You're not an accident. I don't care what you've been through. You're not an accident. I don't care how the world perceives you. You're not an accident. When he created you, it was on purpose for a purpose. And so when you hear the language of, I'm an imager of God, that's, that can be weighty. That can be hard because God told us, he said, you're valued because I fearfully and wonderfully made you. That's why you're valued. But it can be hard when I think about the weight that that carries and, and, and what that looks like and how I have to walk and how I have to talk and the things that I have to do. J4 turned eight. My son J4 turned eight uh, Friday. And so, you know, it's crazy how the weather goes from 70-something to 20-something in two days here. And so we were outside party, playing tag, all these different things, running around. And there was this point that my son was playing sharks and minnows. If you ever play sharks and minnows, the goal is to make from one side of the field to the other without getting touched by the sharks. And I'm recording video, and I'm watching all the kids play like they do. And there's this point where my son is running to the side, the boundaries, and then one of his cousins is trying to come get him. And he gives him a, like, a little hezzy move. He scoots back. His cousin goes that way. He scoots forward. And then he fell. And I was like, oh, he got him right. Like I was this hype man. I, was, I got excited as a father to see that my son did that. And what can happen is if the only time my son sees Daddy get hyped and daddy get excited and is that he gets caught up into those moments that he thinks that my love is for him is dictated on what I, how or well he performs. That relationship there can then turn into his relationship or how he thinks or how we perceive God to be. Well, I got to perform a certain way. I have to do a certain thing. I got to act a certain way for God to love me. And I'm here to tell you that God values you because he created you in his image. Not because of what you could do. Not because of how well you perform at work. Not because of how, how, how good you praise God in the church. Not because of who you're married to. Not because of how smart your kids are. The car you drive, the money you make. None of that dictates God's value of you. God's purpose for you. What God's called you to. And so what I recognize is that we can't talk about our value and and why we're valued without talking about Jesus Christ, right? Because what, what God sees, because I, us as humanity, we messed it up. God said, hey, this is what I'm going to do for you. And we messed it up. We perverted uh, God's plan of creation, what he's called us to do. We messed it up. We did. We do. Joseph Aiken, the third, messed it up. I, I always do. And so I was in need of a savior. I was in need of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to hop into John 3.16, one of probably the most popular texts uh, in the Bible, where it says, for God so loved, everyone say so loved. loved. This is important, that God so loved the world that he gave, right? For us to understand the image of God and what he's done and how he's done it, he had to give something. Because me loving my wife or me telling my wife that I love you isn't enough. There has to be some action behind it. While, while love itself isn't a verb or an action word, it's an action word. I can't say I love you without showing action. And so God loved us so much 
that he sent Jesus Christ down to die for our sins. It says that whoever believes in him uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm here to tell you that we get access to heaven because of what Jesus did. Like we were, the, the image that we had wasn't good enough. And so it took Jesus Christ living the life that I could not live to die a death that I should have died. Uh, him stepping in place of me for me, to, for me to get eternal life. Heaven is a members only kind of thing. It doesn't matter what club you're in. You got to pay some fees and all these different things. And I'm here to tell you that there is no price that we could pay, that I could pay, pay that you can pay to get into heaven. The only way us as members get in is because we accept and we believe Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. And he was a perfect sacrifice. And as we're preparing our hearts and our minds for, for later, somebody, we're watching the baptism video and his, his beautiful story. One of the things I loved what he said in the video is that he was asked the question, are you uh, 100% or how sure are you you'll get into heaven? His answer was, I'm about 95%. 95% isn't enough. And the only way you can be 100% when you ask yourself that question, 100% no, is that you know and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. The only way to get there. Because I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. There is no amount of work that I could do. And I'm grateful that God made me in his image. I'm grateful that God values me and that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm, I'm grateful that, that he thought about every aspect and inkling of me. I'm grateful for all those things. My biggest, I'm, I'm grateful that Jesus Christ said, you know what, I'll step down from heaven on your behalf, Joseph, because you're not good enough and you can't do it. And I want you to come into heaven, but you can't do it on your own, so this is what I'll do. I'll die in your place because I deserve death. I messed up. I sinned. I'll die in your place is what Jesus said, and I'll do this for you. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. That's why Jesus came. And I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to walk over that. I don't want us to forget that. Jesus came to save the world because it was in need of saving. Like I said, we perverted, we diluted, we messed up what God's original plan for creation. He called us to be imagers. Image bearers. He called us to walk it out like him or what he called us to do. And what happened is we messed it up. And so what Jesus did when he came and he died and he rose again from the grave with all power in his hand, what he did, he modeled it for us. So he made a way for us to get into heaven. And so accepting him as our Lord and Savior is our ticket. Now, well, how do I live it out? How do I do this? Oh, just model Jesus. But I say you value the things that are close to you. So I spend time with my word. I pray. I talk to God. I ask him, hey, how can you reveal to me the darkness of my heart so I can work on that? God, can I, how, how can I love my neighbors better? How can I love my family better? How can I forgive someone who's hurt me? We talk to God about those things. And God reveals the darkness and how to do it and why to do it, do it through his word. But as imagers, we're called to reflect him. Because for some people, the only Jesus they'll see is you. The reflection that you're making. 
the things that you do, the language that you use, the, the people you associate, just the different things. People are watching you. People are watching you. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. It says, For while we were, yet, while we were still, still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And he explains it for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. All this is saying is if someone is really, really good and righteous, someone might die for them. Then it says, though perhaps for a good person, a little bit under-righteous, uh, for a good person, one would dare even to die. It's like, ah, a good person, I don't know about that. I don't think I can die for them. And this is it right here. This is the meat of it. But God shows his love for us. God shows how much he values us right here. He says, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is it right here. That even in the darkest moments of my life, when I was doing the the worst things that I could be doing, Jesus said, hey, I got you. Right where you're at, I got you. I want you there. In a year of, well, in this time of season, I'm grateful I have workout equipment in my garage, but in this time of season, usually gyms start to pack, pack up, right? You look at, I see commercials all the time about weight loss and gym memberships and different things around the season because everyone wants to make this New Year's resolution of, hey, I want to get better. I want to do better. And this is a perfect time, perfect season to say, you know what? I've missed out because what happens eventually is that the reason they're doing it is because of maybe some moment, some anchor in time of saying, hey, this new year started, new year, new me kind of thing. And eventually those, all the, the gyms that filled up will eventually empty back out. Give them a couple months. It's the same thing. If you allow yourself to connect to the wrong sources, eventually it'll run out. The strength you get from that job, the strength you get from that person, if that's where you, where you or what you're relying on, eventually it'll run out. It'll be depleted. I talked about it. I take my dog to a vet because he needs a veterinarian. If you're having problems, if you're broken, if you keep allowing yourself to, to go to the different things of the world to try to fulfill these gaps, fulfill these different things in your life, it'll eventually run out. You'll be unhappy and you're wondering, well, I'm missing something. And I'm telling you on this morning that it's Jesus Christ. And so the last point is this. I am valued because Jesus died for my sins. I am. And I'm grateful that he didn't just die. He rose again. Right? I, I, we, we can celebrate that because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you see, coming up here is, 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 is cool, but if on tomorrow I go out and I'm doing my own thing and I'm like, all right, Jesus who? And you see that in my actions, then all this was for nothing. I'm not looking for this to be a lip service. I'm not looking for this to be cute on the outside. See, for a lot of us, that's what it is. It's external. It's it's about seeing the world through the filters that have been created. I want everybody to look and see me as perfect, and I'm not. I will never profess or confess to be that. I am and will always be in need of a Savior, and that's why I'm grateful for what Jesus did on the cross. And so my question for you on this morning is what defines your value? What defines your value? Is there a person? Is there a thing? What defines who you are and what you do and how you do it and why you do it? What defines that? Where do you get this strength from and understanding of of life from? 
You see, I believe that we were made in God's image and therefore called to be imagers of him. And what happens is for some, sometimes, and I said this at the beginning, I want to represent me, right? You see that I, when I posted the little post that I posted on social media and said, hey, happy birthday to my son. I don't always, I don't do a lot of posts. I'm not out there like that, but I posted it. All these people begin to say, happy birthday, J4, happy birthday, happy birthday. People that don't even know my son, happy birthday, happy birthday, right? And one, one of my friends from middle school, high school, a couple of them actually, he said, man, that's little Joseph right there. And what they were saying is that my son looks like me. He, has, he looks like his father. He, he literally comes from me. Now, when my mom sees him, because of her relationship with him, she says, she doesn't say he just looks like his father. She said, oh, you act like your daddy. <laughs> the sarcasm and like the sarcasm really is what it is. <laughs> you act like your daddy. Ooh, that you your daddy's son. I want people to say that about me and God. Wherever I go, whatever I do, all people say, ooh, you act like your dad. Because it's one thing, again, to, to try to live a life perfect and then realize I can't do it. And I keep trying to live up to the standards of the world and culture and how they define what value or how we value the different things that we value. And it's never going to be enough. There's always going to be more money to make. There's always going to be a bigger house to get, a nicer car or whatever. And I get tiring. For me personally. And God said, I want people to see me and say, man, uh, why are you always being churchy? Because I love my daddy. Why got to be always about Jesus? Because I love my daddy. I want people to see that and experience that every single time they meet me. And I want the conviction of who God is in me and, and how much he value me, values, values me and trusts me so much so. He said, I created you in my image. I knitted every piece and part of you strategically so that there were certain people that only you could reach. There were certain conversations that only you can have. And to think about that distinctive role that he has for me and say, he's done that for each one of us. He said, I made you different for a reason. I made you stand out for a reason. You're not like everyone else for a reason. And I want to hold on to that. If you talk about me because I love Jesus, I'm fine with that. If you talk about me because everything appoints to him, I'm fine with that. I should be. I want to be. And so what I'm going to ask you to do before we play Jeff's video is I want you to take a few seconds. Close your eyes where you're at. If you're saved, just ask God to reveal some of the darkness of your heart, your own sin that you need to work on so that you can be that imager that he called you to be. But maybe, just maybe, you've never, you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven, that you want to be. You want to know about this, this Jesus that died for, for all of us, for the world, for those who choose him. And you can accept him as your Lord and Savior right now. This is the time. Father God, we thank you. God, I thank you for every person God, I thank you for, for every heart that is in here watching online. God, I pray that the decisions that are being made right now to uh, grow their appetite for your word, for you, God, that you will be right there. God, I pray that the decisions are being made to accept you 
as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray right now that people walk out differently, God, that this isn't something we do just for show. This becomes a lifestyle. This doesn't just become who we are because it is who we are. You created us for that. God, so we love you. God, we thank you. And God, we praise you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's someone here today that needs to hear that God is for you. Right where you're at, in the mess that you're in, all that you've been been through, God is for you. See, what happens, I, I train people sometimes, and I know this is the beginning of the year. Everybody wants to get in shape and say, hey, I got these plans for my life. And a lot of times when I ask people if they need training, they say, well, let me get right first before I come to you because I know you're going to hurt me. Right? And, and the thing about when you think about how that sounds is, hey, you need a trainer to get you in shape. Well, a lot of people, they, they wait and they say, well, let me get my life be- together before I come to Christ. No, God wants your messiness. He wants your brokenness. He wants all that you've been through. Because he said, you were created in my image. And when, when, when an item that something is created is broken, you send it back to the manufacturer to get fixed. Right? And a lot of times when you're seeking after everything else in the world to try to fix who you are, fix your situation, God is saying, no, come back to me. He said, because I created you in my image, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I sent my only begotten son, unique, distinct. He lived the life that you couldn't live. He died a death that you should have died, that we should have died. He said, you get into heaven because of him. You inherit eternal life through Christ. We need him. And so right where you're at, he wants you. Everything that you bring with that, he wants you. Your messy situation, he wants you. He wants you right where you're at. And so I want you to think about that. Where is your value coming from? Because if it's not in Christ, if it's not in God and what he created and designed you for as being imagers and image bearers and representatives for him, if you are reflecting something else, then he wants you back. He said, come back. He said, I want you right where you're at. Come back. And so as you go and you leave this place, never from the presence of God, because God is bigger than this 2113 Wells Branch Parkway. As you go and you leave this place never from God's presence, I want you to go have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.